Hey there, and welcome to the podcast Tiling Connect, hosted by Mark Moskwa. This show is designed to connect people with the best information intended to strengthen the business of tiling. To keep up to date with all the episodes, don't forget to subscribe. Hey everybody, Mark here from Tiling Connect. Welcome to the show. I uh, Welcome to another episode, actually. And uh, I'm delighted to have another fantastic guest on with us today. I have Naomi Moday uh, from Melbourne on the show with us. Hello, Naomi. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. Thanks for uh, joining us today on the show. Uh, it's awesome to have you here. Uh, I, I sort of, in the past, I've, I've generally prefaced it that, you know, I'm not going to you know, take up too much of the airtime in the beginning because I, I love it to be all about the guests and and thank you for reaching out after um, hearing some of our past episodes. It was great to, um, it's great to actually hear from people putting their hand up going, hey, I want to be involved. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, you know, I know Chris Stenhouse and I listened to the podcast with you and him and I was like, this was really good. It was really interesting. And uh, might be also because I know him as well, but I was like, I want to have a go. So that's why I reached out. I always gave you like great feedback because I really meant it. And I was like, I wonder if I can have a go. And here we are. So That's awesome. Yeah, love it. You're, um, I was doing, uh, as I do with all my guests, I do a whole bunch of research before we jump on the show. And it's, it's good because I get to know people more intimately and partic- in particular, their backgrounds and the type of work that they do. And you do some amazing stuff. And I know we'll oh, end up talking you. about that throughout the program, but it's really crafty. Like you've got such a flair to the art that you do and it's mm-hmm. really unique uh yeah. that's not to and that's not to say that other people don't have great tiling and and building work but i s- just saw the curves in some of the videos that you did on some of the different jobs pretty amazing thank you i love what i do so um it's pretty easy for me to get lost in what i do um and i forget that you know anything and everything is happening elsewhere and i'm just in the moment just kind of getting the flow and uh not really thinking too much about it just I don't know, it just kind of naturally happens. So, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, look, let's, let's wind it back a little bit. Let's go to the beginning and would love, you have the floor now, so tell us about mm-hmm. you and okay. how you grew up in the industry and where did it all start? Okay, well, I'm pretty sure it's probably been 24 years now, believe it or not, that I've been a tradie. Um, so I started, I left school, I think I was about 14, 15. Um, and I just kind of fell into my first apprenticeship, which was a painter by trade. Um, the reason I kind of went down that track and left school was I was never actually good at school. Like I wasn't good at most of the subjects and I was just, to be honest, really struggling. And, but I knew that I was always really, really good at art. So it just so happened that my careers advisor at the time said, well, I don't really know where to put you, but perhaps try this. And so I took a week off and, you know, just did house painting and I absolutely loved it. Um, And so that was like, as I said, 24 years ago. And so my passion and my love for houses was always there. When I look back, it all makes sense, but, in the time when I was making those decisions, I was kind of just going into the deep end of the water. And 24 years ago, there was hardly any, you know, girls going into apprenticeships. And even at the time, 
I remember my first boss said to me that he was actually like, no, nah, I don't want a, a girl. And it was his wife that said, I think you should give her a go. You never know. She might be your best apprentice yet. And he said to me, you ended up being that. So that's kind of where that journey started. And it just kept evolving over 24 years. Like anyone that knows me knows the back, you know, history of like my other business, which was one room at a time where I was kind of doing all kinds of things. Um, and then I studied interior design for three years um, and studied Cert 3 in waterproofing and then got into micro which is what I do now, which I'm insanely obsessed with, if you couldn't tell already. <laughs> well, love the backdrop. Yeah. That's awesome. So is that, does that make you a 70s or an 80s baby? 80s baby. 80s baby. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great, vin- great vintage. Not far from me. I'm late 70s, so nearly 80s. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. You can come. We'll, we'll let you go into the 80s if you want. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I love it. Yeah. So that just picking up on that last thing that you said about, did you say micro cement? Yes, micro cement. Tell me more about that. I'm, I'm curious. Um, yeah. Give me a bit, bit well, give us a bit of a look in on what, what is that, what, what's that all about? Yeah. Um, so it's basically an application that you can use on walls, floors, furniture, pretty much anything you can put your mind to it. But the great thing that it's allowed me to go down is it can be used in bathrooms. Hence why I studied Cert 3 waterproofing because I was like, as soon as I saw a picture of a micro cement bathroom, I was like, what is that? I need that. I need to learn this. And so then that's when I put myself into Cert 3 as well. Um, so it's a trout on finish and it becomes water resistant. I say waterproof. It's technically still water resistant, the same equivalent to like a tile finish. Um, and clear sealers go on top of that. And you can have a seamless bathroom with no grout lines. So it's super easy to clean. And it just, in my opinion, looks amazing. I just love it. It's just um, because I, it's one of those things that I've found that it allows me to be even more creative with it. There's like no limitations in my mind. Like if I come up with an idea for a client or myself, I'm like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to yeah. see if I can push the, the boundary with it and, um, and just go with it. And it just, it just happens. And yeah, love it. That's freaking cool. So the product yeah. that you use, is it, is it a unique product to one or two companies or is it, is it, is it more of a widely used product? I'm, I'm... Um, well, I'm starting to find out that there is more companies out there now, which um, I'm exploring because it, I suppose it's like even tiling or waterproofing and things like that. You know, sometimes some brands will have a product that is better for a particular use compared to another company. And that's how I'm kind of weighing it up with what I'm used to with my micro cement and some other companies of what they've got to offer. Um, so there is a few companies out there. I, I do have a feeling that more companies are going to get on board once they start to see how in demand it's going to get. I really do feel it's going to move that way. Mm. Um, it's just, when I say micro cement, Venetian plaster is another term, which is another product that you can do a similar concept with. Um, it's not as versatile as the micro cement, but you can still achieve similar looks and function wise. 
Um, and that's been around forever. That's like been all the way back to Italy. Like I'm not going to wow. say how long. It could be hundreds of years ago. Yeah. But it's such a new concept for Australia. Um, and in my opinion, when you weigh up the Venetian and the micro cement, it, again, everyone's going to have their own opinion. The micro cement is better. Mm. Um, it's stronger and its properties are better. And uh, yeah, that's because I've used both and I, I prefer the micro cement. Yeah, wow. And is it is it predominantly used on walls mainly? Um, most of the time, yes. It's mostly used on walls. Um, but you know, I've seen it being used on ceilings, walls, floors, floating vanities, uh, furniture, wow. you, know, you name it. Look, cabinetry. Like I haven't done it on a ceiling yet, but I think there might be a project coming up that I will be. That's gonna be intense because doing trowel work above your head and then polishing sore shoulders but um i've done cabinetry i've done floating vanities i've done shower floor and walls so i've done done a fair bit now so yeah that's cool how did you get how did like how did that i mean one of my key questions right was to ask how you sorry what you like most about the construction industry so let's go there first and then we can talk more about micro cements I, i like the term micro cements i think it's pretty cool why the building why construction what what, what, what motivated you to be in, in to jump into that area? Um, again, I, to be honest, I wasn't good at school. And when you're in school, in that school bubble, you think, oh, no, like, what am I going to do with my life? Because, you know, school says that you have to be good at this to, to make something out of life. And I remember I was at the back of the classroom all the time drawing because I was very artistic, still am. And funnily enough, I'd be always drawing houses. And I remember thinking to myself at the back of the classroom, you know, hoping that I'm not going to get caught for doing this again. Um, But I thought to myself, I wonder if this will be a reflection of my life in the future, which is such (laughs) a weird thing as a 14-year-old to think like that. But it was true. Um, And so that was the journey that pushed me into the building industry because I mean, most of the time, whether it's a building or it's a house, like it, it's that's where my passion is. So mm. um, that's really what led me there. Um, and that's why I'm still here because I'm just so passionate about houses. I always have been. I love them. So mm. can't get enough of them, really. No nice. yeah. yeah. And a big, were there any, did you have any sort of people around you at the time that were influential in, in, you know, no. guiding you down that path or you, you're very no. independent and just found it and loved it? And Yeah, I've always been independent um, and that has a lot to do with my childhood growing up because um, both my parents are actually completely deaf. So wow. when you're the eldest, you have a lot of, you know, responsibilities from a very young age as well as in, in many ways you learn to be independent because you're the eldest as well. So you kind of have to work stuff out for yourself. So it's just always been something that I had to do anyway. Mm. Um, And so, again, you know, when it came to learning and things like that, it wasn't necessarily my niche when it came to basic things at school, but art was always my thing. Like I excelled really, really well. And so I just kind of luckily honed into that even though there wasn't a lot for me to go oh well maybe I could do this or maybe I could do that because there wasn't at the time 
the one thing that did inspire me was a TV show called Changing Rooms. I don't know if you remember that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Yep. And I was like, okay, maybe a lot of the styles that they did on there weren't that great, but I was like, I would love to do things like that. So that's actually how I translated it to my careers advisor. And he was like, I don't know what that's going to be, but here you go. He's a painting apprentice. <laughs> and it just kind of all went from there. Yeah, wow. I had yeah. a... um short story um thank you for sharing that by the way that's really awesome of you to share that with us um yeah mate of mine was a a chippy when he was around unfortunately passed away during COVID, and i wasn't able to get back home to queensland to say farewell to him because as as i mentioned before i was still living in melbourne Mm. and uh, i remember having a conversation with him about a decade ago and he was on shows similar to that i don't know if it was changing rooms or it was another um blockbuster on tv and yeah. we were chatting one day over a few beers about the construction methodologies around, you know, shows like that and and others mm-hmm. and how they cut it and edit it together to make look make it look like they're doing these rooms in a day and two days. And I'm like, there's just things in there that you just can't physically um, possibly achieve, um, particularly given the curing times of a lot of products. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. So I'm like, how are you doing this? And it's like, you know, oh, we've done it in a day, 24 hours, and that's like the, the pinnacle of of the show's achievement. And I'm just wondering, hmm, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. No, <laughs> and, well, yeah. and Kevin And Kevin said, he goes, mate, they just put us under so much pressure to get it done quickly. And, you know, there's so many corners cut just to make a show look amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, that's that show business, right? That's why we're here today. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, awesome. So you've been doing a lot of work lately. Um, mm-hmm. What's some of the stuff that you're working on at the moment? Um, you're on a job site right now, of course. Uh, what yes. um, What are you doing right now? What, what, what's um, like? Well, there's not much to show on this job, but going, if I point in that direction, there's a bathroom there. So I'll be doing some more prep work in there. I'll be doing waterproofing, which actually, admittedly, I've already waterproofed underneath where the screed goes. And I've had another cool. trade come in and do the screed yesterday. Nice. So letting that cure. Um, so I'll be doing the waterproofing and also using micro cement in there as well. Um, oh, cool. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still at another job, you know, trying to finish off a little bit here and there just because... Um, that was a whole micro cement bathroom. You may have seen it on my stories. It's got a lot of curves and it's got, actually you wouldn't yeah. come with the floating vanity. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Um, on, That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So that was all done except we, I just had to wait on the cabinet guy to actually put in the cabinetry because I'm coating the entire thing in micro cement into the sinks and everything. Mm. So that's going to look pretty special. Yeah, That's awesome. Fun. Yeah. That's so cool. And and with you, the work that you do in that space, mm-hmm. how do you go about obtaining new work? Is it word of mouth or do you have like a marketing sort of plan and how you get new work? Yeah. Um, most of my work, you know, because I've, I've, like, I've worked for myself solely since I was like 21. So now I'm almost 40. It's been a long time. Um, most of my work has always been word of mouth. I'm really big on that. Um, however, it's been tricky now that I'm in this niche because it's such a new venture. Like how do you get word of mouth to work when no one really knows much about it? So that's been a tricky one. Um, but like the term I like to use, I've been out there, no joke. 
hustling for like three years nonstop. Been wow. hard. Um, but I'm now starting to see the word of mouth slowly trickle now where I'll actually get a builder. Like I had one yesterday and an architect designer had passed on my details to them. And they said, we've got a job. Well, uh, and then I could hear in the builder's voice, he's like, oh, a micro. like Because he didn't know what it was, but he knew that his client wanted it. And uh, he's like, could you come and have a look? And, and I said, sure. So it's starting to create that, which is great because I'll be honest, um, I'm used to networking a different way where, you know, you can get into the industry and get to know your suppliers and things like that. So you can get a little bit of uh, leads that way. But in this industry of micro cement or Venetian, the suppliers don't do that. They don't give you any leads. So wow. everything you see on my page, I've hustled to make happen and it's been extremely hard um, but there's no support for it which is really disappointing because um, you know it would be great if they did support especially their loyal ones mm. that buy a lot of but they don't they don't give any leads out well look I'm I've got to be honest it's yeah. pretty new to me I like I haven't really heard about micro cement or micro cement techniques or micro cement craft personship <laughs> so yeah. to speak i think it's amazing i was looking at your profile how many people in australia are doing this sort of work um i wouldn't be able to tell you because i don't know but i i have heard through like that new industry for me there's been a lot of people that have gone through and done the training but it hasn't become anything because they don't know how to generate work from it because it is right. so hard but you know, yeah. if these suppliers actually gave them a lead just to start off with, it yeah. allows all these people that have now been certified to get a start because you, all you really need is at least one project to start that word of mouth. Um, but that's why. So there's, I would say there's probably not a lot of us out there um, because it's, it's really hard. But because I'm so passionate and I know when I want something, I don't yep. give up. I'm like a dog with a bone. I'm like, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. So That's very cool. Love it. Yeah. What's your, um, what's your pipeline looking like for work for this year? Are you booked out? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm booked out. Um, and until people actually, you know, pay a deposit, that's when I go, okay, I'm booked in. Yep. Um, but mind you, though, there's a lot of, uh, discussions at the moment so um, it's looking promising but until they're actually booked in then I can say to myself I am yeah. um, but I'd probably say I'm probably booked up for at least the next couple of months that's um, cool. so that's really good so that's mm. promising so yeah and how do you find the industry um, in Melbourne now is it still pretty busy a lot of, I mean you know we um, I'm up here in Queensland and, and obviously my day job business is in Sydney and we're seeing that a lot of trades are still booked out for, you know, six, 12 months um, in advance. There's um, plenty of work to, to be done. Is that yeah. sort of, are you hearing similar stories down there? Um, I don't really know, to be honest, because I'm now in a, I'm now pushing myself in a completely new industry and yeah. I being a tradie for 24 years and getting into now this industry, it's like a completely different world. Like, wow. Um, it's not the same as the, what I'm used to with like all the tradies that I like speak with or whatever. Like there's still a lot of tradies that I still speak to that are from other industries. And there's that nice um, feeling of support and 
you know, where you touch base and you ask each other questions. Whereas in this industry of microcement, it's not very much like that. Maybe it will eventually be like that, but I feel like because it's such a hard niche, everyone's very like, they don't want to share or they don't want to connect the same mm. way, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. So. Well, you've got, it sounds as though, it sounds as though you've got a little bit of a market cornered. It's probably a big market. Mm. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool. It's awesome to have that niche and, yeah. you know, yeah, you never know. You might be able to do like a podcast or something out of it in the oh, in the future. You know, you could maybe. do your own, you could do your own little mini series on micro cement yeah. um, application. Yeah, that's kind um, of cool. And be and be what do they call it, those people? Um, the 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 pioneer of um yeah. of the technology in Melbourne. Mm, yeah. yeah. Who just knows? just Who just knows? planning for you, see. Put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Mark. Now tell me what um what's been some of your biggest challenges in your career in the twenty four years you've been involved in the game. Um, I would probably say the biggest challenges because I've moved around a lot. Because I've been a bit of a gypsy for a long chunk of my life. Well, you should share um, some of that with us. Yeah, I will for sure. Yeah. I would say the biggest challenges for me is every time I've decided, right, I feel like I want to move, I want to try something new. Um, that that was always the hardest thing because you have to start everything again. Like to give you an example, I like I said, I studied interior design, which I implement that into my work at the moment too in my bathrooms. But um, when I studied that, I finished that, I think, when I was 24, 25. So I think that's almost 14 years ago now. Um, the industry in Sydney at that time, no matter what you were doing, was just dead. Mm. And so I just thought there's no hope for me to try and start this design stuff up. So I actually went just to Tasmania for a weekend and was like, oh my gosh, I love it here. And I was like, yep, gonna move here. And like my family was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna do it. And so at the time I'd been studying for three years. So like I had no money virtually, I had a thousand dollars to my name and I had a car, I had a box trailer with all my stuff in there. And I, I knew one person in Tasmania that were like, yeah, don't worry, I'll get you a place and I'll get you a bit of work. I was like, okay, cool, got there no place to stay and no work. And I was shitting myself, like literally. But again, I know what I'm like. I, I said to myself, I can't go back because there's no work in Sydney, no matter what industry you're in. It was just going through a really bad patch. Um, it would be a failure for me if I went back. I'm going to make this happen. And I did. And I ended up staying in Tasmania for, I think, three and a half years restoring old buildings and houses and started my own business down there and, and, you know, got to know people down there. I've actually got a friend who I'm still friends with to this day. Um, and he's a, another painter by trade and we're still such great mates. Um, so it was a really great small snippet into my journey of like some of the things that the challenges that I've been up against that um, has actually in, in the long run taught me a lot and made other situations easier because mm -hmm. I faced some pretty full-on challenges without me knowing that they were going to arise until I got there. Yeah. So yeah. do you think it? Do you think it's that moment where you realise that you've got nothing? Um, and and I mean that in the nicest possible way. Mm -hmm. No money, no career, no prospects, and you just go, "Holy shit! Um, I really need to pull my socks up and." 
like pivot left or pivot right and make something happen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I, I mean, those moments I look back and I, I actually smile, like I get happy about those, like, cause they're the sorts of things that, you know, you have these enriching stories that shape you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I remember because I went through all of that, when I visited Melbourne, because I actually, funnily enough, I applied for a TV show and I almost got on. Oh, it which was, one? Yeah, I was only I was only on for a really small amount of time. It was called Top Design, and I passed everything, and I was like, yeah. And then um, I even booked myself a flight for the audition, passed wow. everything, and then they were like, okay, you've passed everything, um, but now I don't know if it was Channel Nine or Channel Seven or what it was. They were like it's up to them and obviously they've got to pick the right personalities to create the right conflict or whatever. And I didn't make it to that part, which is, it is what it is, but I was there for the weekend and I met people that were also auditioning and, you know, we had a great weekend and we hung out together and I was like, yep, Melbourne feels right. I'm going to move to Melbourne. And I had no fear. I had no place to say no job, no nothing. I went, if I can do it in Tasmania, I can do it here. And so I yeah. did. And that was like 11 years ago now. So That's so cool. Yeah. So Sydney, Tasmania, Melbourne, and mm-hmm. that's where you've where you set up camp. I've lived in also um, Armidale for a year, which is near Tamworth as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I like it out west. I, um, I used to do a lot of travel for work and um, a lot of my background, I've spent nearly 10 years working for adhesive manufacturers. So I'm very familiar with waterproofing products and, you know, adhesives and grouts and all of the other things that go into that mix. Sure. And I used to do a lot of travel around central Queensland, north Queensland, and um, down into south into Sydney and uh, northern New South Wales and out that way. And it's oh, beautiful. Did you go to, to Armidale? Or? Yeah, yeah, a number of times. Oh. Yeah, we. I've, I've got customers there today that I've, I've oh, had nice. since back in those days. You Typically, um, you will hang on to the people that you deal with or the businesses that you deal with in the in the time that you spend in the industry so yeah, they might change right. hands with a few different people but you know as you know in those small little towns there's not a lot of jobs right so if you're in one place yeah. you're generally there for about 20 to 25 years before unless you move out and you go somewhere yeah. else um but it's uh yeah it's pretty much that way but oh yeah i love i love getting on the on the road and just listening to music and going from town to town it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun so. Yeah, Armidale's a it's a beautiful town. I mm. loved living there, but the one thing which I'm sure you're probably aware of, the winter there is brutal. Oh, oh it's worse than Melbourne. Oh, it, it's 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 worse than Tasmania. Like I've lived yeah. in Tasmania. Armidale is the worst winter I've ever experienced. So bad that I was like, I'm never living here again. <laughs> <laughs> it, the winds. I had a wedding there for a, friend, a really good friend of mine. Him and his wife were married there because his wife's from there. And yeah. um, her parents are still there today. And we, I remember, still remember the wedding day. And I think the day before the wedding, we had like, it wasn't a Bucks party, but it was sort of like the lads got together and we went to the golf course and we had a few drinks. And we, it was very, it was very PG rated, right? So it wasn't yeah. out of control. But it was so you like, tell us, so you tell us. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's the story <laughs> I'm sticking with. Yeah. And, um, and maybe another episode we'll, you know, we'll have something all around Bucks parties. And um, the winds that were coming through at this particular time were just icy. 
and it wasn't even full-blown winter. Like it was in winter time, but it was sort of like at the beginning of winter. It was in June, I believe. And it was just like, wow, if this is what it's like here. And Mm -hmm. it was just so, so cold. And no one was ready for it, right? So all of the girls turned up to the wedding and they were all in these um, beautiful, lovely dresses that were off the shoulder and none of them brought, you know, like um, Mm. a knits or anything because everyone just thought, well, you know, it's Armadale, it's only June, it should be okay. (laughs) And it ended up being... A complete nightmare. So everyone was all of the ladies were at the shops in the afternoon trying to get something and borrow stuff from each other. But it was um it was it was frightening, frighteningly cold. Oh, it's it, it's the kind of cold that goes through your bones. No matter how yeah. many layers you put on, it goes to your bones. I've never felt cold like that. Yeah. Um, but you know. <laughs> awesome. Traveling is awesome. Um, have you done much travel overseas? Not a lot. Um, I've gone to America, which I loved. I went, don't ask me what the names of the cities and stuff are. I'm the worst at remembering words in general. But wait, I always do this thing where I remember never eat Sergi Weebix. So that way you can work out where on the mat. So wait, East Coast and West Coast I did. Um, and then I went to Japan. Think, oh, beautiful. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I've done at the moment anyway. Yeah, I like America. It's a pretty cool place. People are really lovely there, and yep. unfortunately, they have, they have some really, really odd presidents. But that's something for them to work out, not for us to exactly. even understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I know we've already talked a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced mm-hmm. and the travel you've done, which is really awesome. What would you? say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in uh, working in the in the building and construction industry or just in life in general just in life in general is probably going to be easier I think um I think biggest lessons I don't know I I'm I'm such a sponge like I really learn a lot of just observing people all the time um And that might be because they're really talented at what they do. And I'm anyone that knows me knows I'm a very, very vocal person. So if I think your work is awesome, I cannot not tell you that your work is awesome. And I'm like, so what are you doing there? And what's going on there? So I'd learned a lot of lessons like that. But also I've learned a lot of lessons equally by watching people from afar where they have gone right in business and where they haven't gone right in business. So every time I'm like, oh, wow, that person's really got their business cap on altogether. And then I, they might have 90% working really well. And then I'll see 10%. And I'm like, if only they did it this way. Wow. Imagine, and I don't say anything, but it's just mm. in my mind. But then what I do is then I apply it to myself, you know, so I, kind of do like a mirror thing if that makes sense like I look and I go and then I apply it back to me because I never studied business or anything at Mm. all I've just learned business by watching everybody else and you know whether someone's good at it or they're not good at it I take it on board every time it's an incredibly valuable lesson that you've just mentioned yeah. You'll find that a lot of people that I well, a lot of people that I've encountered and come across in my career, a lot of them don't have shiny degrees or um, bits of paper that basically say that they're at university or TAFE for three or four years and have gone to a class environment and studied a particular field. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Every person's different and and okay. certainly learning that way is um is is really good for a lot of people. They they that's how they that's how they adapt and learn and and um, acquire new skills. 
the um, a lot of the if you have a look through history, a lot of the rich, famous, entrepreneurial type people that are out there literally mm-hmm. have learned from watching people in their circle of influence do things and make those mistakes and or make decisions that got them to where they are. And they literally have just, it's like a computer. They've copied it and they've pasted it and gone, mm-hmm. look, it looks good. And, and, then, and, then, and then an extension to that, they've, they've learned, like they've reflected upon every decision that they've made and gone, yeah, well, that didn't work and that wasn't really the result that I, that I hoped that I was going to get. And they've adapted and changed and, and they've, they've, they've continued with that. So there's that discipline around taking in everything around you. So I, I feel and he, I feel what you're saying. It makes perfect yeah, sense. totally. And, and you're right, you know, because um, there, there's so many times that, you know, throughout my years I've made so many mistakes and it's taken me a lot of times to, you know, get an aha moment and go, oh, okay, I get it. Because, um, you know, you've kind of got to take that time to reflect. But sometimes it takes a fair few goes. But, mm. um, but again, I've learned so much just by watching everybody else and applying it. So um, that's been the, the biggest inspirations for me. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. When you look at like every day when you get up and you're getting ready to get into it, get your hands dirty, what's, what's your routine like? Or how do you make the, the most out of every day? Um, being organized. Being, well, when I say also organized, it's more, I probably use the word more structure because I don't really, I'm not someone that does everything exactly the same way every single day because I just know that that's not my personality but I thrive on structure. So I like, I create uh, momentum by, you know, giving myself tasks every day and still almost every night. Because when you, one thing that I learned, I dated this guy years ago and he said to me, you know, all you do is you work in your business. You don't work on it. And I was like, what? I was like, I didn't even know what that meant, but now I know what that means. Um, and so I'm always working in my business and working on it. And I'm always trying to work out ways to better implement and make that flow. And it could be something as little as, cause my brain never stops. It's just like a party going on in there all the time. So I have to quieten the party down <laughs> by like writing those party notes yeah. on paper. And then what I do is I actually put it near the front door so that way I can go to bed and all those notes are out of my brain and they're on the paper. So when I get up in the morning, all my notes are ready there to, for what I've got to do for the day. It could be make sure you reply back to those three important emails first thing in the morning because that's what I said I was going to do because that's yep. the one thing I like doing as well is um, if I say I'm going to do something, I always like to make sure my words match my actions. It's really big for me. Um, and so I write all the things that I said I was going to do. And that way I check my list off before I'm out the door and I know that that's done. And that keeps that whole momentum and business working on the business flowing. And then mm. I go to work and I work in the business. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty cool share. I, yeah, I, I, I get it. I've, I've been there and that's happened to me too. So excellent. Yeah. yeah wow. Thank you. So we're getting to the end of today's episode and mm-hmm. with every episode, we, we love to talk more about um, the people, the who they are and, and share that because we have like a really cool audience that's 
been growing now for I think around about 11 months. I think we turned 12. Wow, time's flown. I think July, August is 12 months. Um, And in that time, you know, we've done a, a whole host of episodes uh, and our followers and, and you know, everything has just been growing at such a rapid pace. And I always like to conclude the episodes with getting to know the people a little bit more and ask them some, ask them some fast-track questions just to sure. really put them on the spot. Um, yeah. So let's go there. Let's do that because right, then on. we'll talk about how do people connect in with Naomi and how do people learn more about you and what you're doing and particularly micro because I'm bloody super interested now too. So okay. I'm sure that we're going to have conversations after this um, episode yeah. today. But let's start with a, a real classic. Um, what's your favourite food to eat? Uh, I've got a lot of favourite foods. But... Oh, sorry. Let me, let me, let yeah. me, let me, I'm going to throw a caveat in there. If it was okay. the only meal that you could eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. That's it's really narrowed it down. It's not gonna. It's not gonna sound that exciting because you did ask the question. If you had to eat the same meal, like non, like go go, it would have to be something as basic as a toasted sandwich with like chicken and cheese and stuff on it. Because I know that I can do that a lot. That's pretty awesome, I, actually. Yeah, because there's so many other dishes that I love. Yeah. Like, could I eat that every day? Probably not. But a <laughs> but if you had to, that's your sandwich. Yeah, it would be. Uh, are we sort of are we putting in a slice of avocado in that as well, or is that is that no? I mean, you can if you'd like, Mark. Um, but <laughs> I put cheese and chicken in mine because that's yeah. like my go-to toasty. So nice, I like yeah. it. That's cool. <laughs> uh, I didn't ask earlier if you were a fan of. Um, do you read books, or are you are you a podcaster? Like a podcast, listen. Listener, what's um what's your flavor? What do you enjoy? Um, I'm a listener. You're um, a listener again, yeah. Because not that I've touched on this, but um, I'll just quickly put a little snippet in. I'm yeah. pretty pretty sure that I've got dyslexia, so um, I've always struggled with reading a book. I just can't do it. Yeah. But if you give me a podcast or if you give me a documentary, I'm glued. I love it. Awesome. So, yeah, that's well, more my flavor. That, that gives me enough ammunition for the next question. What's your favourite podcast you've listened to the last 12 months? Mm. I don't know if I necessarily would say I have a particular podcast, um, but I will say I can tell you about it, the type of topic that I love listening yeah. to Yeah. Yep. is true crime because I oh, okay, love yep. psychology. So I mm. always love to listen to the story and kind of break it down and kind of understand like the whole picture. So I don't yeah. know, that just interests me a lot. No, that's cool. I like it. Yeah. yeah, true crime, you can get addicted to that badly. Oh. Like it's it's like a book that you just can't, you can never put down. You start reading a few pages and you just like, it hooks you in every turn. Mm-hmm. True crime's exactly like that. Oh, actually one thing I will say, not, this, not, not necessarily true crime, but one of those is... Um, what are they called? You, you may have heard of it. It's on YouTube. It's called White Underbelly. A guy. I have heard of it. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that I always love all the people that he interviews because it can get a bit monotonous with the type. But every now and again, when they have someone sharing their life story and their hardships and then how they've come out of it, I'm just like, I'm hooked. 
I yeah. love hearing real stuff. So, no, oh, cool, awesome. Yeah. Tell me about what the next five years look like for you. Cool. Um, obviously, I still want to be doing microsmith because I love doing it. Like, I really genuinely love doing it. But my biggest long term goal that's always been there, but it's just a hard one to tackle as much as I'd like is I'd love to be property developing. Love to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've got my first house and I'm slowly chipping my way through that. I'd love to think that eventually once I sell that, I will have enough that I can sell that and then have a bit of money to play with so I can actually start a bit momentum Um, because it means then, one, I'm doing what I love um, because I'm also obsessed with interior design and studying it. Yeah, But I love having the opportunity to work with the same trades because it's such a great opportunity when you can find people who you really click with. And if I get to work on homes and fix them up and, and choose all my trades that I get to work with every week, like that to me is a dream because mm. there's nothing better than working with like-minded people. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Property is a, um, it's a gift that keeps on giving, right? There's so much to it, you know, not just... Mm-hmm property development there's also the investment side of things and the renovation side of it mm-hmm. and um yeah building wealth from it is something that certainly a lot of people uh, aspire to acquire as well uh yeah. but yeah there's 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 a lot to it eh? that's cool yeah, that's cool. so last but not least if you had to write a book about mm-hmm. your life mm-hmm. what would it be about Ooh. I think, I, you know, what I'd probably do is I'd probably share a lot of those experiences that really challenged me to my core, but then actually made my soul more colourful, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like, like, example, that one, me moving from Sydney to Tasmania, thinking that, oh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got work, I've got a house, and then getting there and going, oh, shit, you know. Um, and just being able to share things like that to make people go, you know what, it's not so bad when you do get into those situations because you can make something pretty amazing out of it with your, like, the growth in yourself. Yeah. Because I remember one time, maybe it was 20 years ago, I remember this one tradie and he was a bit of a gypsy and I really admired his gypsiness. That's probably where that came from for me. And I'll never forget he said this and I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so cool. And he was like, Give me $5 and throw me off a plane and wherever I land, I'll make a life. And I was like, I want that, you know? And so I took that mindset when that happened in Tasmania and I was like, well, you know, be careful what you wish for because it might happen. I mean, maybe I didn't have $5, but I only had 1000 and I made a life out of yeah. that. So um, that's the kind of stories that I'd like to share if I had to make a book. That's pretty cool. I love it. I, I've always wondered from time to time, and I'm not sure if you get this as well, mm-hmm. when you're watching something on TV or you're seeing a news article online and there's always this, it's, it's, it's like a, it's on repeat. There's the, the story of Jack and Rose from the Titanic, right? Okay. And Jack has this moment when he's at the table with all of the rich elite and He's trying to fit in, and one of the elite has actually helped him dress really nicely in this fancy suit. And he's sitting there, and he's getting grilled by all of the the elite about, you know, 
or basically why you're there. Um, you're not one of us. Uh, and mm-hmm. he talks specifically about having, you know, the shirt on his back and, you know, the wind in his hair and, you know, oxygen. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't recite it. it it's, it's beyond yeah. me. But the, the messaging is, you know, look, that he just goes with the, the flow of the universe. Like he doesn't, he just picks mm-hmm. up and, you know, life is his gift and, you know, that's what he, that's what he traveled with. Now I know yeah. that that was a story in Titanic and I'm sure, you know, that it was pretty much based on a, you know, what, what they could put together as much as they could knowing who these people were. And you mm-hmm. see that it, it just pops up in my feeds and stuff around me from time to time, but it's, I've always wondered what it would be like you know, just to go, let's just sell it all and, I don't know, mm. do something completely different. How do you yeah. – putting yourself in like that, for me, that would be like an uber comfort, uncom, um, uncomfort zone where you literally have to just work out what the next steps are without actually having a plan because my yeah. entire life has been planned, right? I'm, as, yeah. And it's just like, well, mm, do I or don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean – I've been in those situations before and I've always seen the benefits and the, uh, the greatness that comes out of them. But you've always got to be prepared for the fear because the yeah. fear is not fun, but you have to kind of learn to sit in the fear and, um, and, and kind of just get used to that. And because uh, I know going through that situation, it has eliminated a lot of fear, but I had to go through a hell of a lot of fear yeah to get past it if that makes sense so um, 100%. I get where you're coming from and I think it's a great thing if more of us can do things like that because mm. um it's invigorating but it's easier said than done though so oh absolutely look I've got three kids and yeah, my yeah. my entire life has been dedicated to ensuring that they're financially and you know emotionally and spiritually okay and yeah. uh, my daughter's a lot older, but my two boys are only just starting to finish high school now. So it's been a yeah. it's been a long journey. When you've got those sort of commitments around you, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to be selfish that way and go. And I'm only talking about me, but for me yeah. to be selfish and go, oh look, I'm not going to work for the next ten years, or I'm going to live off the vibrations of the earth, and I'll let my kids fend for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, good luck. I'll see you in eighteen years and see how you go. We'll meet on yeah. the other side, but um, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a, a point in life where that will happen and um, and I'm sure it'll be scary and frightening and um, probably amazingly positive at the same time. Absolutely, for sure. Naomi, you've been awesome today. Uh, awesome. I've really, really loved chatting with you and, and connecting in and I can't wait to actually have some more conversations with you post the episode today. If people want to get in touch with you directly, what's the most appropriate way for them to reach out and connect and have a chat and, and find out more about what you do and how yeah. they can how you can help them? Um, definitely on my Instagram. I love Instagram. It's such a great community when you're on there. Um, the amount of amazing people that I've met that I haven't actually physically met um, via there. So I would say find me through there. Um, and even if you don't necessarily want to reach out, like I've got heaps, which you would have seen. There's yeah. lots of videos and stuff on there for people to watch to get a better understanding of what it is that I do. Otherwise, if you want to, you can message me on Instagram, which I'm assuming there'll probably be like a little tag on yeah. this. Yeah. In the, show, in the show notes, we put it all in there. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, if, if you want to share with me, if there's any – other examples of micro cement stuff, we can put yeah. that in the show notes as well. Okay, cool. 
Excellent. Well, thank awesome. you so much for having me. Um, I was so excited to be on here. So um, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. It's amazing to connect with new people and thank you for sharing so much today it really means a lot and it means a ton to the broader audience as it continues to grow and we connect more and more people together and we build this network of amazing people that are going to strengthen the business of tiling it's we we all might come from slightly different backgrounds or you know we may have pivoted left or pivoted right but we all sort of work in that building and construction space and i think the more that we can strengthen um the industry uh, the better it will be for future generations and, and we can all leave behind a, a a much more positive um legacy um in the industry for for the youth that are growing up today as well Definitely. So. thanks again naomi have a uh, have a wonderful evening and until next time stay connected thank you you too thanks for listening to this episode of tiling connect don't forget to rate and review this podcast. To see more of Tiling Connect, jump on our socials and follow us via LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to be part of the show, email us at tilingconnect at gmail.com. Until next time, stay connected.